Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 38 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host Wa'il and it's 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 an honor that you know I'm I'm sitting here talking to you guys about the religion of Islam. It's it's a, a, a true privilege uh, and for that uh, I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then I thank you guys for listening and you know sending in your questions. And speaking of sending questions, please if you have any questions Please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I promise I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, yeah, so let's get right into today's topic. Now, for uh, the past, I think, uh, two episodes, we've been uh, talking about um, uh, the nullifiers of Islam. We've been discussing the nullifiers of Islam. And uh, basically, uh, we were saying... Um, we were mentioning the stuff that you would do that will take you out of the fold of Islam if you were a Muslim, right? We mentioned shirk. We mentioned, you know, having a middleman between you and God. We mentioned, uh, you know, calling non-Muslims, not wanting to call non-Muslims as disbelievers. We mentioned hating the commands of God, you know, um, hating to do stuff versus not doing um, you know, not fulfilling the commands of Allah, uh, you know, mocking that religion, not believing that there is other sources of like guidance rather than Islam while you're a Muslim. All these things we talked about and we, you know, dived, uh, we, we were like diving uh, deep into uh, all of them and, you know, explained a lot and they all make sense. Now, um, uh, with that being said, I want to move on now to uh, the next point, which is uh magic uh you know or sorcery like so basically performing magic and there are types of magic believe it or not magic is real magic used to be real in the terms of the prophet sallallahu uh, i mean the prophets all of them you know prophet solomon uh, jesus christ all of them and it is real now and we'll, we'll get to how does it happen and 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 why is it um forbidden uh and um and not just forbidden it takes you out of the fold of islam if you practice it um so it's a big topic and that's why i actually had to you know have a separate it's not that big but it's you know it wasn't going to be enough uh to put it in the end of you know the previous episode so yeah let's get right into it now the problem is not just practicing it would take you out of the fold of Islam. Also being pleased with it. Being benefiting from it, even if you didn't practice it. Meaning, if somebody practices, let's say, black magic. And we'll talk about what that means. And then you ask them to benefit you from practicing that magic. You also get out of the fold of Islam. So you can't, you don't like act, you know, so smart. Be like, well, I'm not practicing it. No, even benefiting from it, knowingly, of course, will would take you out of the fold of Islam. And we'll give you a little story. When Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sent two angels to the children of Israel by the name of Harut and Marut. These angels were mentioned in the Quran, and their story is also mentioned in the Quran. They were sent as a test for the children of Israel. This was way, way before Islam. Uh, and uh, they basically told people, we will teach you how to perform magic. But if you do, you will disbelieve in Allah. So the choice is yours. That was basically an ultimate test for the children of Israel by these two angels. They said, we will teach you magic. You could do magic and do crazy stuff with it. But once you do, you'll disbelieve in Allah. So the choice is yours. And Allah says in the Quran, in the chapter of Baqarah, the chapter of the cow, verse number uh, 102, I believe. This is what Allah is telling us. I sent Harut and Marut to the children of Israel and I they asked them, we could teach you how to do magic. But once you do, this is a test. They're literally telling people, this is a test. Do not disbelieve. Fala takfur. And of course, majority of people, they didn't care and they started learning 
to how to do magic and they use this magic in bad it doesn't matter if you use it in good or bad learning it will take you out of the fold of islam but they used it you know to uh, to separate between a husband and a wife to destroy families to destroy competition in unfair way now what is sorcery now, now let's get to the bottom of this or or the like let's just get an understanding of the definition of sorcery number one you don't see sorcery you don't this it's there's no like mechanism for it but you see its impact right and it is caused sorcery is always caused by hidden forces you have to understand sorcery in islam is a thing black magic in islam is a thing because of a specific a specific species a specific race that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created called the jinn. And inshallah, I promise you, uh, uh, maybe like uh, an episode or two after after this, uh, we will talk about, uh, we will describe the jinn, I think maybe in the next season, because I think we're almost done with, with, with this season, season number three. But in the next season, inshallah, I will start with uh, describing the jinn and telling you everything that Islam uh, uh, that, that is stated in Islam about them. So Jannah are basically, it's another word for demons. What, what are known to be demons, the phenomena of demons, they do exist. Jinn, Satan is one of them. Satan is a jinn. He's not a fallen angel. This is one, another uh, uh, big difference between Islam and Christianity, which is uh, they, in Christianity, uh, it is believed that Satan is a fallen angel. We believe that Satan is 100% from the jinn. The jinn are hidden creatures. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, right? They die, they live long lives, they do except for Satan. He lives for until the day of judgment, because he Allah allowed him to. Um, and they are the ones who perform magic. Okay. So how do we perform like how how does this work out? Well, that's why it's forbidden because in order for a human being to perform magic they have to contact the jinn and in order for a jinn to listen to you to perform the magic trick or whatever you want to do you have to disbelieve in allah because the majority of the race of the jinn are disbelievers they are shayateen what we call shayateen shayateen are from the jinn shaitan is the devil satan is the leader of the devils so Makes sense. Satan and the devils are all from the same race, which is the jinn. So in order for you, for, for, for a jinn to do what you want, and actually, you know, ironically, uh, I remember like in, 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 a, in TV shows and, 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 and certain TV shows that I watch, like one of them is called The Blacklist. Uh, they actually have the concept of the jinn. Like there was an episode actually called The Jinn and, and it was basically based on someone, whatever, like I just don't forget the, 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 the plot of the episode, but it meant exactly what we know it, which is like supposedly someone who's like uh, invisible, whatever, and they have a nickname called The Jinn. So it's there. People know what The Jinn is. But in Islam, that's the only supernatural species. It's not a myth. It's reality. Jinn do exist. Shaitan or the devil and Satan are part of that race. So in order for a human being to get their magic trick being fulfilled, they have to disbelieve in Allah and show it and prove it. That's it. That's it. So in order so you're technically disbelieving once you start getting indulged into this kind of black magic or you know the that real magic. Now we have two types of magic. True magic and illusionary magic, you know, like an illusionist. So the illusionary magic is actually true. That also exists. How? Remember the story of Moses and the sorcerers of the Pharaoh or Saharat Pharaoh, the sorcerers of the Pharaoh. What is Moses's uh, basically um, one of his miracles is what? Turning his staff into a snake. So uh, to get for those of you who do not know the story. So Moses wanted to prove that, you know, he is, could challenge the sorcerers of uh, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had his own sorcerers and they used to cast the spell on the eye. So the audience, you know, will see unreal things, even though they're literally just real, you know, 
they used to use the ropes to make him look like snakes, even though there were no real snakes. But they used to use an illusion technique to make you believe that the ropes are yeah, snakes. They, ca- they used to cast, you know, spell on people's eyes. Now, guess what happened? When Moses came, Allah showed people true magic, which was what Allah turned the staff into a real snake. And what? guess what happened? It's in the Quran. Guess what happened? Once, because they know, the sorcerers, they know what real and what's not, right? They knew right away that this is not the act of an ordinary man, that Allah has to be involved so right away, huh, they went into prostration to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, believing that Moses is his prophet. Prophet. That's it. There is a difference. Here's in this situation you see the difference between real. Well, this this was not magic. This was was real. Allah doesn't do magic. Allah do, does things that human beings are incapable of. But at the same time, you have to understand, but the illusionary part is. Casting a spell on the eye, do this illusion technique to make believe, people believe uh, that something is real when it's actually not real. Now, that's not our problem. Our problem is the true magic, which is the black, which is it's uh, aka the black magic that affects the body. It could lead to death. It doesn't affect uh, an illusion because an illusion can affect you in any way. You just you know you're being tricked. But this is real. That's why it's called real magic, true magic. It affects the brain. It could lead into insanity. So it could lead into death. And it could lead into insanity. Because once you invoke the jinn, they could do things that human beings cannot do. You know? It affects the hearts. It could make you hate someone. And it could make you love someone. This is all real, my dear brothers and sisters. This is not like a fairy tale or, you know, a bedtime story. This is real stuff. (coughs) No one is immune to sorcery or magic, by the way. Now, the person who does it will disbelieve in Allah, you know. But the victim of the sorcery, they're not immune unless you have... You're you're seeking protection from Allah all the time by saying dhikr, you know, the, the remembrance of Allah. That's what dhikr means, remembrance of Allah. All the time, every single day, the morning athkar, the evening athkar. These things are really available. They have actually apps for that. It's it's just a, <coughs> it's a supplication that you make uh, to seek Allah's protection, you know. Uh, it's, yeah, it's that simple. No one is immune. The Prophet ﷺ actually was affected by black magic. He was affected by black magic, believe it or not. We'll, we'll tell the story in a little bit, in, in, in a few minutes from now. But like, the, 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 there's the, the famous chapter in the Quran, which is, This is a famous, it's a very short verse. But basically, when, when Allah says, من شر النفاثات في العقد, Those who blow in the knots. That's the literal. That means spells. Those who cast spells. This is in the Quran. People exist who, who perform magic. I mean, it's not as, as famous as it used to be back in the day. It's not as common, I mean, as it used to be back in the day. But it's real and it still exists. You know, like there is a hadith uh, by the Prophet ﷺ when he says shaytan. Meaning shaytan Which is the devil we agreed on Makes women look tempting To cause men to look at her Or to look at them And fall into sins We already discussed the, the idea of oh, Why a woman should be covered A little bit more than a man Because a woman's body is different from a man They were created to be more tempting They were created to be more beautiful you know, they created to be more attractive. We t- we discussed this, I think, um, uh, a couple of times actually. You know, so that's why women need to cover. Men need to cover too. Don't get me wrong. Men don't need to. Any person, any Muslim, who show off their uh, beauty or you know, like their attractiveness, 
that's not right. You're sinning. Because what are you gaining from that? What are you trying to gain? Who are you trying to please? Or who are you trying to attract rather than your spouse, whether you're a man or you're a woman? You know, it's wrong. And when you're doing it, shaitan even makes you look more attractive so the other gender would look at you. Now, sorcery started, we said, we when, 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 uh, at the time of Moses and stayed until the time of Sulaiman, uh, Prophet Solomon, uh, peace be upon him. And after that, it technically ended. The practice of sorcery, actually. So you get this is a good trivia question for you. It started at the time of Moses. We just talked about the you know the sorcerers of the Pharaoh, and it stayed until the time of Prophet Sulaiman. Now, what happened during the time of Prophet Sulaiman? The famous story of Sulaiman. He used to speak to who? To the jinn. They used to work for him. The jinn used to work for him. Oh, but wait a second. Didn't you say that if jinn work for you, they do something for you? That means you have to disbelieve. So did Prophet Sulaiman disbelieve? Nope, that was not the case. Because they worked for Prophet Sulaiman by a command of Allah, by the permission of Allah. Allah made the jinn work for Prophet Sulaiman or Solomon. That was Allah's command. It was by the permission of Allah. But when we try to contact the jinn, when we try to make him work for us, yeah, that's different. Because Allah said it's forbidden. Yet you, we still do it. That means we're trying to define Allah's commands, to, to defy Allah's commands. That's why we get out of the fold of Islam. Now, what are the type of things that the jinn would ask you to do? You know, if you want something from them, if you contact them and you want them to do something for you, they ask you to demonstrate your kufr, your disbelief towards Allah. They say, we're going to do what you want us to do, but uh, you have to show us because uh, you could say, I disbelieve in Allah, but you could be lying. By the way, jinn can't know what's in your heart, like, you know, Allah and the angels, because Allah make the angels know what's in your heart so they can write the good deeds and the bad deeds, right? Based on your intention. So the thing is, you have to prove it to them. How would you prove it to them? Actually, one of the things, and, and this is like incidents that are famous, they ask you, for example, to do horrendous stuff. Pee on the Quran. Recite Quran while you're in the bathroom, like, you know. Mix Quran with some, like, period blood. Or, they have weird rituals. Step on the Quran. All these things to show that you truly disbelieved. And guess what? All right, go ahead. You want to be wealthy? You want people? Okay, but you lost your hereafter. You disbelieved in Allah completely. And I don't want to get a lot into the jinn topic because the jinn topic basically we will, inshallah, completely cover it um, when it, when we you know talk about it. But like, for example, how did how do uh, like one of the examples is before the revelation was sent to the Prophet ﷺ or Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, jinn actually used to eavesdrop, used to eavesdrop when Allah sends his commands to the angels. Of course, they're not doing it behind Allah's back. Allah knows everything. He used to allow them to do so. Allah used to allow them to do so. And then when they hear certain things, they will go to their companions of the humans and tell them something that will happen in the future. Because they, they go fast before the angels perform the command. Again, this was all Allah was allowing it to happen. But of course, the person who would do that is a disbeliever. That's why it's Allah's test. Allah will allow murder to happen. But you're going to get punished for it. Allah will allow certain things to happen because we cause them. Allah will allow certain things. Allah will allow you to do something. But that doesn't mean you should do it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people debate, like, why would Allah allow uh, the suffering on earth? Who causes the suffering? Who causes the suffering? Allah, because if Allah stops every evil, then there is no purpose of life. There's no test. There's no patience. Life will be perfect, then, <laughs> then it should be Jannah, then. It should be paradise, right? Okay. But then when the Prophet ﷺ, the, the night he received the revelation 
all this stopped. Now, every jinn tries to eavesdrop, uh, goes to the first heaven to hear the commands of Allah, they actually get hit by a meteor shower or a meteor. Just hits them and it kills them instantly or burns them instantly. The question is, do jinn um, understand uh, or know the unseen? Do they know the future? No. That's why they have to they used to they have to eavesdrop. And there's a big example of the jinn not knowing um, the unseen or not knowing the the the, the future. Prophet Sulaiman commanded his uh, a, a, a huge group of jinn to build him a building. Right? And they were building that building, and while they were building it, he was sitting on his throne, watching them, and he was leaning on his staff. Then he just died. Allah just, he, he came, the angel of death came, took his soul, and that's it. He died. While he was looking at them, watching them, he just died. And I mean, he died on that position, right? But the jinn kept on working because they thought he was alive. They thought he was just, you know, like closing his eyes or whatever. They kept working for a long time. Thinking he's alive. And out of mercy to the jinn. Now we're talking about good jinn here. Out of a mercy, out of mercy to the towards the jinn, Allah sent a worm that started eating his staff. So when the worm ate parts of the staff, the staff broke and he fell. And they found out that he was dead. This is actually a true story. This is what happened. The death of Prophet Sulaiman. And they found out, okay, they were like, okay, we're exempt now. We don't have to work. He, he died. That shows you that jinn don't know any better. They have more abilities than human beings. Of course they do. That's why what they do is considered to be true magic. But that's about it. They die. They are born. And they do not know the future. They do not know the unseen. So depending on them and losing our faith to them because we want something to be done for us, why don't you go ask Allah for whatever you want instead of, you know, taking the, the route where you actually lose your religion and you become a disbeliever in the religion. Now, the consequences of sorcery or black magic are simple. It's a destructive sin. And the Prophet ﷺ say basically destructive sin is a major sin. One of the worst of the major sins. And it's an act of disbelief. Now, knowingly, with the intention, it's an act of dis practicing it, teaching it, learning it, benefiting from it, knowing that it came through, you know, black magic or true magic. All these lead, all those people involved will be considered as disbelievers if they were Muslim in the first place. Now, there's like, um, what's the word? Let's say somebody cast a spell on you, which is basically contacted the jinn to have, you know, something against you, right? Like, um, uh, what's the word to have uh, some sort of um, um, uh, like a sorcery or black magic against you? Somebody try to harm you. Can you fix that spell with another spell? Absolutely not. It's forbidden. Again, because that means you are always going to practice. You're also practicing uh, sorcery. But I'm protecting myself. I'm going to no, because it will spread like a virus. If everybody is harmed by some magic, they will do magic to, you know, protect themselves. Then everybody's going to perform magic. Then there's no uh, um, restrictions on that. Okay, so how do we protect ourselves then when, you know, will you protect yourself before you get, you get um, attacked by magic? By, number one. Believing that it'll never happen until Allah permits it to happen. You have to believe that everything happens for a reason and everything is meant to be. Basically have deeper faith in Allah. You must be obedient to Allah and to deserve protection. Allah does not protect those who disobey Him. Think about it. It's also logical. You have to keep making dua to Allah. Now, this is these these things are basically they apply on 
protecting yourself before you get harmed by uh, magic or after. It doesn't matter. You know, do the ruqya. To you, do a ruqya. Just mention. Uh, do not ask anyone to do ruqya for you, by the way. But uh, you can do ruqya upon yourself or your family members. What is ruqya? Is basically reciting Quran with the intention that it will protect you. Anything from the Quran, even chapter one. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The, the first basic chapter. It will protect you. Fasting a lot. Now fasting, you know. On the bone, these are like all bonus stuff. None of this is mandatory, but if you want to be protected, and like I said, the dhikr or the athkar, the morning athkar and the evening athkar, you have to mention these every single day. You're gonna get protected not from just magic, from anything that should would harm you, except that it was something that had to happen to you. Allah written it upon you to happen, and it was meant to happen for a certain reason. Then you cannot, you won't avoid that. You know. Here's the beautiful thing about fasting, because, you know, since I mentioned fasting, the Prophet ﷺ tells us something very fascinating. The Prophet ﷺ says the shaitan, you know where is shaitan, by the way? Your qareen. So what is a qareen? Qareen is the shaitan who whispers to you. He's assigned to you. A qareen is a shaitan, a devil who is assigned to you. You know, you have a devil who is a, uh, uh, an angel who is assigned to you, who whispers good thing to you, good things to you. You also have a devil who, so basically it's like, you know, we all know the fact that you have a devil and you have an angel. One says the good stuff, one whispers the sins or the bad things, and you have the right to choose. Now, the Prophet ﷺ says in an authentic hadith, Inna shaytana yajri min ibn adama majrad dammi or dami fadayiku majarihi wa saum. Look at this. So where does the shaitan exist? He doesn't fly next to you or he's not staying behind your ear like you know they show in animated stuff. Shaitan actually runs in your veins, in your bloodstream. You have to understand, Shaitan, the devil, this is actually a fact, is in our bloodstream. He's an entity, he's a jinn, he's invisible to us, but he's inside of us. And he whispers from the inside. He's in our bloodstream, he's in our veins. So look at the Prophet ﷺ, the brilliance of our religion. And by the way, this goes on everyone. Like this, he runs in all of mankind in that spot in, in the bloodstream, not just Muslims. Just to let you know, Shaitan runs inside our veins. So when you fast, what happens? Think about it. What happens when you fast? Our veins shrink. That's actually a very medical fact. Look it up. So it makes it very hard for them to have control over us because they move, it becomes difficult for them to run in our body because that's how they do. They run in our bodies. They run with the bloodstream. So when you tighten your veins, you're physically, and this is actually what I'm saying. Okay, when I say the shaitan runs in your, in your bloodstream, that's not a metaphor. You guys understand that. This is physics. We just can't see the material that he's made of because he's in another dimension. But what you do physically affects the shaitan. This is a fact. Affects the devil. So when you fast, you shrink your 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 veins shrink, and it makes it physically difficult for the shaitan. That's why when you get extremely angry, it's a sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he used to do when he gets angry? If he's standing, he would sit down. If he's sitting down, he would stand up. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? That doesn't make sense. No, it does. He does that to confuse the shaitan is when you're angry, shaitan gets keeps heating you up. He keeps like, you know, trying to make you more angry. He does that because he has the freedom of he knows you're sitting. So he knows your position so he can run as much as he wants in your bloodstream. When you're standing, same thing. But when you change position all of a sudden, you confuse the shaitan. So it gives you this break of like a couple seconds to regain your calm. This is actually all, like I know it's, it sounds crazy stuff, but it's very real. And try it and see what happens. This is not a myth or like, again, like a, a fantasy stories. These are real. I mean, shaitan and the devil are mentioned in every religion. You know, they're mentioned in, in an iteration of them is mentioned actually in the non-book religion, like the, the uh, Hinduism or, you know, some, they believe in an entity like the devil, you know? So that's basically, 
um, how do we handle uh, the 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 matter of sorcery and, and 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 you know black magic? So that point was basically it's it's basically you know done. Now let's move on to point number eight. So that was point number seven. Let's move on to point number eight, which is supporting and assisting non-Muslims against Muslims. You know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah the chapter of Ma'idah, verse number 51, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu la tattakhudhu al-yahuda wa al-nasara awliya'u ba'dhuhum awliya'u ba'dh wa man yatawallahum minkum fa innahu minhum inna allaha la yahdi al-qawm al-zalimeen. Okay. Now, we talked about, we have two types of disbelievers. Non-Muslims. Peaceful and combatants. People who are considered you as the enemy, they want to fight you. And people who are peaceful. The ones who are peaceful, we were saying what? That we should be nice to them. We should be good to them because Allah loves those who are kind and nice, right? But now the combatant ones must be fought against. If they're fighting you, you have to fight back. That's the only, you know, and if they're literally fighting you, you have to fight back. We mentioned this verse before. Allah does not forbid you from treating those who are nice to you with sweetness and kindness because Allah loves those who are kind. So for those companions that, you know, who are fighting you in your religion, you cannot uh, become an ally with them against your fellow brothers and, and sisters who are Muslim, right? It, it just doesn't work that way. So under any circumstances, you can't just like, for example, join an uh, an army of non-Muslims going to kill Muslims. Like, you know, that's why joining um, um, the army who like go on bomb like some Muslim countries or go fight Muslim countries and kill innocent Muslim people is that makes you get out of the fold of Islam. Because you're literally killing your own uh, brothers and sisters in Islam, which is just insane right so that's that so that's point number eight now moving on to point number nine which is basically whoever believes that certain people are above the religion if you think that there are if you're a muslim and you think that there are certain people who are above the religion yeah that takes you out of the fold of islam let's discuss how now this is problematic because once you believe that certain people are above the religion that leads straight to shirk and that's the problem. That leads straight to shirk. And that is a problem. So basically from the time of Adam until Noah, peace be uh, upon them, um, everyone worshipped only Allah. So Allah was the only entity to be worshipped, right? Then people of Noah, people after Noah started, uh, well, of Noah, basically right before Noah came, that because that's why Noah came, started grieving their dead then they started sculpting their dead and uh, carving them you know and then making them like idols you know and they started praying to them instead of allah it happened gradually that's how shaitan introduced shirk on earth right because of the people of no the noah was trying to talk them out of this and guide them for 950 years 950 years can you believe this because we believe approximately noah lived around like a thousand years and they still didn't listen that's how shirk was actually introduced first introduced actually it is mentioned i think in the episode of shirk now what is what is the the message of the prophets every prophet who came what's their message theology rituals character dealings and laws Theology, which is what is Allah, what is the religion, what should you do, what should you not do. Rituals is your actions. Pray five times a day, fast Ramadan, you know, do do a hajj, pay your zakat. These are actions, the rituals. Character, mannerism. You have to be good to your parents. You have to, you know, if you're a, ma if you're a male, don't, you know, be that close to a female. If you're a female, don't be that close to a male. Uh, uh, be, be disciplined, be respectful, uh, be, you know, kind to the poor. Don't be arrogant on all these things, mannerisms. Dealings are transactions, financials. How to deal, no interest, 
no usury, uh, no gambling, uh, you know, when you pay someone, be honest in your payment and all these transactions, right? Dealings. And then eventually the laws and, and the rulings on those who, you know, disobey uh, the commands and on those who do this and those. This is basically the five pillars of every prophet's messenger message. Every time people rejected messengers completely, Allah sends his punishment while the messenger is amongst them. Noah. What happened? The flood. Moses, what happened? Punishment, the splitting of this the, of the Red Sea or, you know, the 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 flies or the bad stuff that happened to, you know, the people of uh, of Egypt at the time. Every time people reject the people of um, Salah, you know, Qawmu'ad, people of Ad, people of Thamud, those people get punished while their prophet is amongst them because they don't believe. The prophet is there. What more could you need? <laughs> what more do you need? You have the prophet is amongst you and he's showing you the miracles yet you still reject. So basically every single prophet or messenger you know, was sent with those five pillars that we just talked about. You know, the laws, the dealings, the rituals, the theology, and, you know. Um, now, they were all, even before the Prophet ﷺ, before our Prophet ﷺ, they were sent with those uh, pillars. And each, the difference between our Prophet ﷺ and every uh, messenger before him, that every messenger and every prophet were sent to a limited group of people, to their own nations. That's why from one religion to another, the laws are these five pillars that we talked about, which change from one messenger to another because they, depending on the demographic, depending on the people, depending on the nation, you know. But then when the Prophet wasallam, or Prophet Muhammad was sent by Allah, he was sent to all of mankind. Hence, the message applies to all of mankind without any modifications. Why? Well, before communications between humans were, bef like before then, communications between human beings were what? Impossible. The days of Moses, Jesus, David, and, and you know, all the Dawood and all these prophets, the communications between human beings, it was not as easy as today. So sending one messenger with one message to all of mankind, would it work? How would you reach people in certain, like back in the day, there were certain spots on earth that we can easily, you know, go to now that were impossible to, uh, to, to access or impossible to reach. Allah won't hold these people accountable. People who never got the message, people who you can't reach. It will be unjust and, 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 and unfair to them, you know, that, that they will be hold, held accountable, you know, or why would they even be taken out of the equation? You know, you can't reach them. Now, days after the Prophet ﷺ, communications between humans became a lot easier. Now you have like, you know, we're talking about the days, the, the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and Allah knows the future, right? Allah knows what's going to happen in the future. Allah knows that the communications will be easier and, you know, will be mo much more easier and it, they're going to develop until now you get social media. You could communicate like right now. I'm talking to you from like my little studio, uh, which is like technically the, the, a room like in, in, in my house, but I made it my studio, right? And it's reaching, alhamdulillah, many countries. Like when I see the analysis of my podcast, it's it's like more than 20 countries. MashaAllah, like, you know, this is all a blessing from Allah. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is you're getting the message. You're getting knowledge about Islam while you're either home or you're driving or you're you literally don't have to sweat it. You don't have to go pursue it. All you have to do is a click of a button on your phone. Allah knows this. Allah knows the future. Allah knows how this world will progress. Allah allowed it to progress and evolve, right? That's why the final religion was to be known that everybody is going to get. This is it. No more modifications in the laws and, and the rules and the rituals. It's all one because everyone will get it. Everyone will hear about it. Now it's up to them whether they accept it or not. You know, 
So it, that was it. That was it. Was time to send one last and final prophet or messenger to all of mankind because Allah subhanahu wa, subhanahu wa taala knows it will reach everyone. Now that would lead us to discuss that certain people think that when they reach a certain level of knowledge, now you're getting all the knowledge, right? You know a lot about your religion, no matter what it was, Islam or Christianity before or whatever. And they, they, they think they're above the rest of us, that they don't have to pray. They don't have to fast because I'm there. But, but believe it or not, there are, there's a huge, well, not, the, not nearly to be like majority or they're like really tiny bit, but they're still a big number. A group of people who believe that they're above those rituals that we have to do as Muslims. Do you understand? This is like crazy that you think that you are, this is the, the essence of arrogance that you think that you're too good to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked you to do too good. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what in the Quran, in the, in the chapter of Hajar, verse number 99, Worship Allah until certainty comes to you. Now, what does that mean? It's kind of confusing if, if you translate it literally to certainty. Certainty in the Quran, usually Allah use it as equals to death. Because what is our certainty? What is our, what is the, okay, we could all disagree on the religion. We could all, uh, Muslim, Christian, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. Atheists, we could disagree on every belief except for one, death. Every single arrogant who does not believe in Allah and God in general, every single person who believes in God, every single person who believes in another adoration of God, we all agree on one thing, that we're all going to die. Why? Because we know it. It's a fact. So Allah is telling you in this verse, worship Allah until your time comes to die. Allah didn't tell you, oh, when you reach a certain level, you don't have to worship now. You're good. You just have the knowledge. You're in a different level. That's bogus. That doesn't make sense. And it's the essence of arrogance. You know? So that's basically it. Now, moving on to the, I, 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 think, I think might be the final point, is the 10th point, which is not wanting to learn the religion. So now we talked about those people who think they're above the religion. Those people, again, if you're a Muslim and you do that, you're not a Muslim anymore. You have to retake your shahada knowingly, of course, and having the intention to do so. Now, the final point of you nullifying your own Islam or people nullifying their Islam is um, um, not wanting to learn the religion. And this is big, my dear brothers and sisters. This is big. This is huge because while not knowing, being ignorant about the religion, while being ignorant about the religion helps you avoid certain punishments. We always, we always say, if Allah, Allah knows that if you're ignorant, you won't be held accountable. But now, if you were sincerely ignorant, meaning you didn't know how to learn about certain thing and you didn't happen to learn it. So Allah won't hold you accountable. But here's the big. If you are lazy to learn, you don't want to learn about Islam. Not lazy, my bad. Lazy, you, you're not, you don't get out of the fold of Islam. You're, you're, you're sinful because you don't, but don't want to. You refuse to learn more about Islam for any reason. Maybe one of them, you don't want to be held accountable. Or you just reject the, the religion. You don't want to learn more. I'll just wake up, pray five times a day, and that's all I, I, I'm going to do. Guess what? You, you, you get taken out of the fold of it. You get out of the fold of Islam. And if you learned and not wanting to implement, that's the same thing. That's what Satan did. Think about it. So if you don't want to learn... That takes you out of the fold of Islam. If you learn, you don't want to implement, rejecting basically all the, all the mandatory stuff that we have to do, all the lost commands. We talked about this early, uh, earlier. 
you're still get out of the fold of Islam. Who did that? It was Satan. Satan knew everything he needs to know about Allah. He knew everything he needs to know about, you know, the who created and, and Allah's commands, yet he rejected and he refused to prostrate to Adam. He refused. And his refusal made him a disbeliever. That's it. Took him out of the fold of Islam. Because we eventually know that everything, basically, believing in Allah and his current messenger is Islam. Whether it was in the time of Jesus, we believe Jesus was a Muslim, we believe Moses was a Muslim, because Muslim is a concept of believing in Allah and the current messenger. And basically, that's what it, that was it. We believe that Christians back in the day of Jesus Christ were Muslims. It's it's a concept, you understand? It's surrendering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Satan did that. Satan knew everything, yet he refused to prostrate. Now, there's a difference, my, my dear, but just to un, you have to understand the difference. Refusing to either learn or uh, implement takes you out of the fold of Islam. But being lazy or not implementing, not refusing, you just, you're too implement. You can't implement because you don't have enough knowledge or you can't implement because you have less faith. Not refusing on purpose, that does not take you. You're still a Muslim. It's a big sin. It's a major sin. But you're still a Muslim. You know what was the first word that was revealed in the Quran? It was iqra, read. And read here, uh, by the way, could be one of two. Read from a text or read from your, your mind, you know, from the back of your mind. Read something that you already knew. Recite it. Or say something that you already knew. Iqra, Allah tells us knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. So rejecting that knowledge, rejecting it, not being, you know, lazy about it, just rejecting it, you're disobeying, you're blatantly defying Allah's commands. A beautiful hadith, beautiful wallahi hadith by the Prophet The Prophet says, Man bihi khayran If Allah wants good to you, if Allah wants you to have a good life, He'll make you knowledgeable in the religion, believe it or not. If Allah wants to do you good, He'll make you knowledgeable in the religion. My dear listeners, what you're doing right now, and I'm not just trying to make you feel good about yourselves, but this is reality. What you're doing right now is something that Allah wanted you to do. He wanted you to have more knowledge about the religion. What you're doing right now, just listening to, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be my podcast. Trying to listening or or watching a video or reading a book about Islam is what Allah that means Allah wants to do wants you good. If Allah wants you good, if Allah wants you to have a good life, he'll make you more knowledgeable in Islam, in the religion. You know? Look at this beautiful hadith, another beautiful hadith. Sahibul ilmi, the Prophet says, Yastaghfiru lahu kulli shay' hatta al-hut fil-bahr. The Prophet says that the person of knowledge, the person of knowledge, everything Allah created, we're talking about everything Allah created, uh, mountains, trees, animals, even, the Prophet says, even the fish in the water, they repent on your behalf. They ask for forgiveness on your behalf. They do istighfar, which is they ask for forgiveness on your behalf. Forgiveness to you, towards you, from Allah. Why? Why is this big deal about a person with knowledge? Why? Because a person of knowledge knows how to treat and deal with the creation of Allah, with respect. That's why the creation of Allah repent on your behalf or, or ask for forgiveness on your behalf. Animals, nature, you know not to you know, abuse nature, you know not to abuse animals because you're knowledgeable in the religion and you know that this is forbidden, you shouldn't do that. Hence, they return the favor to you just by being a, a person of knowledge. Just by being a person of knowledge, by asking for forgiveness on your behalf. And you're going to need it. Every one of us needs it. Because, you know, back in, in, a, in the episode of sins, we all sin. We all need to ask for forgiveness. We all need people to ask for forgiveness on our behalf. Now, 
when you seek knowledge in the religion, Allah will show you the path to heaven, to Jannah. You know, there's a hadith, another hadith that, that the Prophet says that angels lower their wings out of respect to the students of knowledge. Believe it or not. مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَطْلُبُ بِهِ عِلْمًا سَهَلَ اللَّهُ طَرِيقًا مِنْ تُرُقِ الْجَنَّةِ وَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةِ لَتَضَعُ أَجْنِحَتِهَا لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ رِضًا بِمَا يَصْنَعَ Allah. So why are the students still the same question? Why are the students of knowledge are being praised still? Forget about, you know, the, the nature asks or all the creation asks for forgiveness on their behalf. Why are they so praised? Because they are the ones who spread the knowledge about Islam. They are literally the ones who save people and lead them to the straight path. Without knowledge, you can't preach. You can't tell people about Islam. Hence, no one will, everybody will be in, a dark, in darkness. Everybody will be in darkness. But those students of knowledge, those who learn, what they do, they give the knowledge they know to other people. They spread the knowledge. And other people, when they take that knowledge, they spread it to other people. And that's how people get knowledge about the religion of Islam, about something that benefits them. You know, here's something very interesting. <clears throat> it shows you also the importance of knowledge. Any group of people that gather in a house of Allah, meaning the masjid or even in a house and they mention and they spreading knowledge, they're discussing matters of the religion, you know, uh, they're hearing um, new things about Islam, the stuff that they didn't know, you know, they're clarifying some things. What happens is the angels, they actually surround them. Angels, they surround them and then they mention them by name to Allah. So and so were sitting. The, Allah knows everything. But this process happens so we know the importance of it. Allah makes this mechanism to take place. Allah hears and knows everything. We know that. That does not contradict that. Then why do angels have to sit and go back to Allah even though Allah sees us and hears us? Because Allah wants to show you how this process wants to tell you about this process to show you how important it is to do this. Let's say that the people sitting and talking about the religion, one of them was just sitting for the sake of sitting. He was not, he actually, one of the people sitting there, he owed him money or whatever, and he was just waiting or she was just waiting for the, the class to be or the lecture to be over so they can, you know, ask their friend for the money. They were just sitting waiting for one of their friends being in a lecture. Guess what? Allah forgives those that person too. Just for being in the setting. Not being benefiting, but that shows you the level of the people who are gaining knowledge. And it's the opposite now for those who reject the knowledge and who don't want to have knowledge on purpose. They get out of the fold of Islam while the people who seek knowledge are praised in the highest, highest level of faith. So I think, yeah, that was the last point. And with that, we finished all the known or mentioned nullifiers of Islam, the, the things that, you know, take us out of the fold of Islam. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, starting next topic, well, I don't, I don't want to plan the next topic yet. Yet we might um, have uh, one more episode before we go into like a little bit of a break and we, you know, take, um, go on to the next season, which season four, I think, I know guys, you don't care about the, the seasons, whatever, but it's, I think it's mandatory for certain podcast platforms that the podcast is being, uh, you know, uh, uh, published on. Uh, but yeah, it will be a little break. I'm not going to take a, a very long break, inshallah, just a tiny break. Uh, and uh, But there will be an episode, at least one or two episodes before the break, and I will let you know. Uh, so thank you so much for listening, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of you. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.